Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome to the program. Tonight is going to be our 24th share, Baruch Hashem, that we are doing here. And Baruch Hashem, we're doing very well. Um, we had a very, very uh, successful up until Yom Tovim. We took a four-week break. Every Yom fell on Sunday. So me and Menachem had a little vacation. Baruch Hashem, we got a, a little uh, COVID-19 during the vacation. And we're all feeling better. We recuperated. And uh, we're back. And Baruch Hashem, we have Rabbi Yosef Elephant tonight with us. It's an amazing program. I just want to tell everybody, thank you for posting. There was a tremendous amount of posts on all the WhatsApp statuses and all the social media, and a lot of people, you know, posted it to get a lot of people to come here tonight. And hopefully the share fills up, and we really appreciate that. Um, first, I want to give us also a very special thank you to my friend, Arna Fried, who really put a tremendous amount of questions for arranging everything tonight. I really appreciate it, and um, I really appreciate it. I also want to thank our advertising sponsors, The Liquid Scoop, uh, for advertising us every, every week. And I also want to give a special thank you to Chazak, Rabbi Aniv, for posting it on all their Chazaka networks, COL Live, Mika Sofer, and a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman, Shmuel Sommer from New York, for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. Uh, just next Sunday, we're going to have also another amazing program by Ari Weinstein from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. He's actually the keynote speaker at the Mr. Shluchim. He's going to be talking about self-esteem. He wrote a book. It's called It's Within You. Uh, we'll talk about it at the end of the program. It's going to be a very interesting program as well. Um, let's start with our, our host, Coach Menachem. Open up with a few Divrei uh, Chizik. Okay, thank you very much. And yes, I do feel very excited tonight, Baruch Hashem, after the whole break of the Yom Tovim. So I would like to welcome everyone again. And um, Baruch Hashem, we're back to as if nothing happened. And that's what a lot of people want. They want to get back to, back to normal, as if nothing happened, but uh, not so easy. With, with what's going on in the world, um, I don't know where you are, but wherever it is, there's a lot of uncertainty. And that's one thing that people don't like. We need to have some sense of control, at least knowing what, what am I doing today, tomorrow, where am I going, where are my kids going? So let's hope, after Davon Hashem, things should uh, stabilize. Tonight's topic, the role of parents in developing healthy foundations for our Bahrain. So it's uh, a lot for the parents to understand the role. What's the role of the parents? The role of the yeshiva, the role of the machanchem. But I guess we'll hear tonight a little bit more of the role of the parents. And the truth is from the feedback and the questions, I got this feeling that people are very excited for tonight's session because there are people out there with Bahrain, Kanai Nahara, and a lot of questions, trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, how to do it. And with all those questions, where should they go? So tonight they feel when they're going to come here, they'll get all their questions answered. But that's why I want to tell them that obviously this program, it doesn't give you all the answers. What we do is basically open up things, put them on the table, and Hopefully it helps a little bit to give it the feeling that first of all, you're not alone and it's normal. It's, it's not happening only by you. And you hear different perspectives, different ideas that you can pick up 
And if needed, you get closer to the steps of speaking to someone that you can sit down with. So you can, it can be more individualized because obviously it's and there's no one answer. But the truth is when we're looking for solutions, sometimes when you want to have the solution, that itself can uh, disrupt, that itself can make it harder. Because like I said before, with the whole uncertainty, we want to figure things out. You see something is not working out, your son is not getting up for chakras or whatever the story is. How do I do this? I can't sit in this unknown. I just need the answer. Tell me how to do it. Then you start calling the Rosh Hashiva and, uh, and this and that. And then that itself can disrupt and make it harder. So hopefully tonight, with Hashem's help, we should have lots of, a lot of tzlacha. And I want to thank you, Rabbi Elephant, for coming on, giving us the time early in the morning. And uh, with the experience that you have with the Bacharim that go through your door, Kanai Nahara, um, we should have tzlacha tonight with Hashem's help. And everybody should be able to hear what they need to hear so that they can grow and help their sons grow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Coach Menachem. Really appreciate it. Um, again, I just want to give, uh, say tonight was sponsored, the show was sponsored by Close Talmud, in honor of Rabbi Elephant Shlita. Also tonight, she is willing to Nishmas, Rabbi Ben Moshe Yaakov. This Shabbos is going to be the fourth yard site, and the Shabbos should have a big Ali in the Schuss from Rabbi Elephant being Bechazek, uh, hundreds of people that will be at tonight, but from thousands of people that will watch this year later on. And um, again, tonight we're focusing on mainstream Bachrim and the foundation, some, you know, basic questions to really help build up their their, their, their internals, their self-esteem. So we're going to get into that with Rabbi Elephant. And again, Rabbi Elephant is, you know, one of the Magda Shirman, the Mir Yushalayim. He's known all over for his English-speaking audiences. Rabbi Elephant, please open up for the island. Good morning, Shalom Aleichem to everybody. I see that I've been in Eretz Yisrael uh, for way too long. I forgot about the long uh, American introductions and uh, thanking all the sponsors and... Um, guaranteeing answers and not answers. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been away for too long, I see. I forgot all about it. And usually nobody particularly pays much attention to what you say anyway. So you're happy if they let you get up and speak a couple of minutes. But I see that uh, back home in uh, Lakewood and other places, they take these things much more seriously. So I'll, I'll try to also. Um, like the hush of a uh, like the Choshev Chairman said, I, I, I want to stress again, these types, of, uh, these types of gatherings are sometimes misleading that somebody gets on and they put on a big picture with sponsors and Magichir, and uh, I certainly don't have the answers to any questions, not just to some of them, and I'm sorry to disappoint that nobody's going to walk away with answers to anything, because the answers to all the issues that we're going to talk about tonight and more are found, first of all, you need, you need Siata Deshmaya, not first of all, first of all, unless we need to have for all chinuch issues. And secondly, the answers are, are in ourselves. There's nobody who can provide the answer from the outside for how to bring up our kids. Every situation is different, and every home is different, and every marriage is different. But like uh, Reb Menachem said, and Reb Asher stressed that uh, we can talk about the topics and and the etzim the, fact that we come together in such a gathering in uh, of so many hundreds of Yidin is, is, is touching Mamish to tears that so many Yidin come together and want to 
bring up the kids in the Richtig away. The Pasuk says, by Avram Avinu, is a Muritika Pasuk in Pashas Vayera. Pasuk says, Rashi says that the, the Posh Bishat and the Posh is that Kosh Boku says, I love Avram Avinu. I love Kiyadatim, it's a lotion of Chiba. Rashi says, Kosh Boku says, I love Avram Avinu because he's going to teach his children as Bonav as Besoy Acharov, Vishamru Derech Hashem, Lasay Stokum Mishpat. It's a remarkable Posh. The, the Pesach says a statement that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Avram Avinu because he's going to be mechanach his children to go in the Richtig away. We would think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves, quote-unquote, Avram Avinu because he was the Amud HaChesed in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Avram Avinu because he is the Amud of Emuna in the world. He's the one who revealed HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Pesach says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Avram Avinu ki dativ, Rashi says because he's going to be mechanach the children. It's a remarkable pasuk where the pasuk says that the whole Avram Avinu is is what he shtel davek and what he created and what he he guaranteed and he invested in the next door. And I, I think that my introductory words are number one. The main topic, the main tafkid that we have is to be mechanach our kids. I just read you, it's a Mephorosh HaPasach. Ki yedativ l'mana It's not a side topic. I've, I've spoken, I, I, I said this in a kailal in Kirat Sefer a few months ago, of a few hundred younger light, very choshev younger light, and they were shocked. Everyone had a different version of what they came into the world for, and what their main tafkid was. I'm talking about, obviously, not what a person came into the world on the level of Nesil, Yesharim, and Das Tfunas. We're talking about what your main tafkid is. You get up in the morning, what's your job? Your job is chinuch. Your main job is not even to make a living, which is very important, and not to daven and not to do all the things. The Apostolic says, ki edativ, Kosbochus says, I love Avram Avinu, Lamana Shayitzavis, Bonavis Bes Bes Ayacharov. So that's the main tafka. That's the thing that has to permeate our lives 24 hours a day and thinking about and how and what to do. And and that's something which which needs to be stressed and overstressed and stressed again, that it's the main tafkid. It's not the job of the yeshivas to bring up the children. It's not the job of the Beis Yaakov to bring up the children. It's not the job of the Moses. By the way, the yeshiva system, when it was created and how it was created, and the Beis Yaakov system, when it was created and how it was created, wasn't created as a replacement for parents. And that's why a lot of the needs which people expect yeshivas to provide are not being provided by the yeshivas because the yeshiva system has not undergone many changes since it was founded by Rav Chaim Volozhin in its modern version, we'll call it, for good reasons, by the way, because a little bit of stability, Rabbi Nachman spoke about instability in today's world, the drop of stability we do need, and the drop of stability that we do have is how the yeshivas run, first seder, second seder, the well-attended Musar seder, and the night seder, and uh, all the regular scheduling that we go through. The yeshivas were not meant to provide as a replacement what the parents were supposed to do. It's a tremendous misconception. The yeshivas should do this. They weren't meant, meant for that. And the job of chinuch was the parents, and nobody, nobody can replace not the emotional and not the ruchnia's job that parents have what to give over to their kids. That's that's the first thing that if if we would only gather that for, for that this evening, for that clarity and sense of purpose, I would say two more quick um, 
sentences of introduction just as a, as a headline. That's number one. Number one is our major tafkid is to be mechanach our kids. Not the moistus. And chinuch includes a lot of topics. It includes ruchnias, it includes emotional chinuch, it includes growth as a human being. I would extend that to another sentence, which is a whole topic for itself. And, and maybe if I, if I live according to all the rules of my sponsors tonight that I was sent, maybe they'll invite me again and we'll talk about it at a different time. And that is that Rav Volbe writes in his famous Sefer about Chinuch, that in Chinuch there are two aspects, this Binyan and this Zriya, this building and this planting. The fundamental difference between building and planting, it's a whole topic for itself, but I do want to say the headline in the few minutes that we're talking now, this Zriya and this Binyan. Binyan means you have to build constantly. If a person is building a house and or a building and one builds the first floor, that doesn't the second floor doesn't grow. It doesn't happen by itself. Zria is a completely different form of growth where one plants a seed, and with the appropriate nurturing and surrounding climate, the the plant grows by itself. There are two aspects of chenach. There are things in chenach where we have to constantly invest and and stress. And repeat, I'll give you an example, um, midis, for example, behavior. What you teach a five-year-old is not what you teach a 10-year-old, and, and a 10-year-old's behavior is not a 15-year-old's behavior. There's a whole code of social interaction. That's binyan, constant. Zria are ideas that we plant in our children, and they grow by themselves. For example, chavivus ha um, I always tell people, for example, that uh, if you're 20, if your son is 20 or 21, and you're waking him up for the 12th time, Ben Hasmana for Kriyashma, so uh, you missed the boat. It's too late. I, I, there's a whole world of trauma, um, of traumatic, uh, it's international thing, it's an incredible thing. I didn't realize until I met it up in Bnei Brak and in Kiryat Seifa and Yushalayim. There's an entire door of yeshiva bachur and young by the way, has nothing to do with how yeshiva shah from there. I'm talking about people from their second button open till their top button closed. The entire range of Kaiso we just covered, more or less. It all depends on how many buttons you have open and you have closed. And the trauma of the Yiddish mothers waking up their 20 year old for the 20th time for Zman Kriyashma. It's funny, the ladies usually know the Zman Kriyashma more than the fathers. That's another topic for a different time. And, and the ladies or the, the, the Yiddish mothers telling the kid, this is what I sent you to Yeshiva for at age 20. And the truth is, is that at age 20, if you haven't planted the idea of getting up for Shachos, Chavivas Hamitzas, for example, is something that a person needs to plant in somebody else. It's not something that can you can build over and over. You can plant it and it grows and the child absorbs it by osmosis. My point is, is that if 50% of Chinuch is planting, if 50% of Chinuch grows by itself, if 50% of Chinuch, a child absorbs the ideals and the message of the house, so there are two conditions to that. One is that the house has a message. The house believes in something. The house is giving over a certain ideal, whether it's Torah, Chesed, Tefillah, Emuna, Emes, Elam Haza, Elam Haba, Histapkus Bemuet, whatever it is, and Be'ikr, Shalom Bayis. I cannot avoid beginning any discussion on Chinuch that the number one priority and the number one Hakdama and preface to Chinuch is Shalom Bayis because if the house is not a happy place, so you just lost 50% of chinuch. If 50% of chinuch is zriya, is planting, 
is planting an idea and the child absorbs it and it develops by itself. So the environment for something to grow has to be a positive, nurturing, happy environment. When there's a lack of shalom bias and it's not a happy house, for whatever reason it is, the child doesn't want to belong to what the house represents. And on the spot, we have lost 50% of chinuch. We've lost the entire aspect of Zriya. When I say the word lost, I mean what I'm saying, by the way. We've lost that entire aspect. It doesn't mean that the kid's going off the derech. That, that's not the headline that should come out. Shalom Baez equals child at risk. That's not what I said. I said that you've lost, we have lost a substantial part of the chinuch, which is the absorbing the ideals of the house, absorbing what we believe in, absorbing a sense of priorities and what's important. We've lost that. And... I can't stress enough, if we only gather together for that, that it's not a question of black and white or all or nothing of a good marriage versus a weak marriage. It's a question of degrees. The happier a house will be, the more shlemus there is in the house, the more simcha there is in the house, the more peace there is in the house, the more tranquility there is in the house, and be'ikr, the calmer the house is, the child can develop naturally in a calm, safe place, and in that place, automatically, by osmosis, a child absorbs what the parents believe in. If you would ask me what, um, I would say, characterizes to a large extent a lot of the, the door today, it sounds like a bombastic type of headline, people talk about what the door is, but to a large extent, as the introduction said, the mainstream what a lot of mainstream Bukharim are missing is a close connection with the house. And if you talk to people in Chinuch, they'll tell you, and I've, I've taken this poll myself because it's, it's something which is a theory that I have, and I've seen it played out with thousands of Bukharim, is that what characterizes the door more than anything else in the mainstream Bukharim is the parents have stepped off the job, and they're not involved, and they don't understand the critical nature of their role in giving over the ideals and principles of Yiddishkeit, the bren for mitzvahs, the chashivas of davening, they're leaving it to the maestas, and they're not understanding that it's their job, and therefore, the role of Shalom Bayis in this issue has become decreased because a lot of people don't appreciate the critical nature and primary nature of their role in the ruchniest development of their children. Emotional development, people understand it a little bit easier. Also not enough. Also not enough. But the amount of Bachram that I see who are not connected or haven't absorbed, I'm talking about good boys from all the yeshivas, who haven't absorbed what their parents' home is about and what the message that they're getting. A lot of places, because of a lack of the high-quality shalom bayis that could guarantee the person has to look themselves in the mirror and say, do I have the type of home that's a happy, calm, tranquil place that my kid wants to belong to what my home represents? And when we, it's, it's a question which everyone has to ask, look in the mirror and say, I repeat again, does our home, person with their spouse, represent a place of tranquility, of simcha, of happiness, that my child wants to belong to what we believe in. Obviously, a person has to know what they believe in, and are they giving over any message to their kids at all? But that vacuum or that not enough stress on that topic is taking a very high toll from the 
to call a bombastic term, the door that's growing up. And in our world, we're not talking about the outside world. In our world, it's something which needs tremendous strengthening and needs tremendous fortification. It's something which needs investment. And I think that the combination of, A, the understanding of the primary role of our job as parents in our children's lives and not to rely on the most this. There's, there's, there's so many things that the Moises can't replace parents' job. And then understanding the role that Zria, that planting, plays in that role. And understanding the primary role of Shalom Bayis. The primary role. When I, when I sit with a Bacho, after 10 minutes, I can tell them the state of their marriage. It's much, most of the parents whose children speak to me don't know they're speaking to me, so they don't have to worry that uh, when they walk down the street. But it's, it's almost like a CAT scan. A person can know how their a person can know how a person's marriage is by how the kids look are the kids happy are they calm are they are they focused do they have a clear message or are they just floating disconnected and perhaps particularly facing the nisyanus of today's door the most important tool that a person has is to be connected to something to belong to something to be part of a firm that believes in a certain message it's perhaps the most important tool that we have to fight off the nisyanus to to be able to have the koiches to continue lemanashi yitzavis bonov as beyeser achorov, as Fasemis says one more line. Rashi says that the pshat in the pasuk is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu loves Avram because he commands his children. As Fasemis says, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave Ava to Avram Avinu in order that he should transmit it. That kishmak and that Ava, that bren. He should give over to the children, which means that the most important thing that we can give over to our children is the brand for Avodah Hashem and the fire for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But we have to understand that that's our job, our tafkid, and it's a full-time job. It's a full something which requires tremendous cognizance, tremendous awareness, and obviously tremendous siyata, dishmaya, and tefillah. Thank you, Rabbi Ella, for such a beautiful opening. I just want to tell everybody, we got a tremendous amount of questions that came in. I got, we, me and Menachem got a, a lot of emails. We try to like categorize it. So let's start with some of the questions that we already have. And again, we Rabbi Elephant and all of us wanted, you know, people have a question, please text me. Let, you know, we want it to be interactive. It's mainly question and answer. So please feel free to ask a question. Um, again, we're trying to get the basic, you know, the, the general topics. I'm not you know, want to do the poll? Well, let's do the poll. We'll take a poll first. And then afterwards, we'll get into the questions. Rabbi Elephant, it's a two minute break for you. Okay, it's America. I got the idea already. Yeah, you know, you know, the sponsors, you know, Nathan's hot dogs, you know how it goes. I got the idea. It's a shame you're not doing the elections already now. We'll take a poll for that also. Question number one, where do you feel your son is being influenced by the majority? Everybody answer. It's anonymous just so we don't get a concept already. Do you think it's mainly from the home slash the parents? Option two is school rebellion. Three, social or friends. Or number four, they're just not sure where the kids are getting the most of the influence. Question number two. If you ask your son, where, where, if we were to ask your son, what is his relationship with his father, I think he would answer. A, very close to his father. B, we talk once in a while. C, we talk, but he doesn't really get me. D, we're totally disconnected. Answer it. And uh, let's just get it. Rabbi Elfin, you get a little feel from what the oil thinks over here. Let's go. Five seconds. You can see they can't see the answer. We're going to share it with everybody. You can see it, but they can't see it. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. 
Okay, so everybody, the majority of people, 43% feel most people do feel the influence by the son is really from the home and the parents. I think Rabbi Elephant, right? Do you agree with that? I, I, I'm, happy, I'm happy to see that we have a good crowd here tonight. This is a growing crowd. Listen, 10, 10, 10 30 night, you have 500 here. So this is, this is, this is the, the B'nai Aliyah. I don't know why you brought me on even if that's the percentages. Somebody to lead it. <laughs> Um, very few people think the school Rabbeim. Look at that, Rabbi Elton. Nine percent of people think the school and the Rabbeim are actually influencing the kids. Thirty-eight percent of people think it's social and friends. Ten percent are not sure. If uh, if you ask your son what do you think his relationship with his father would look like, fifty-one percent of people, most people think they think that they're very that their, their son thinks they're very close with them. Twenty-one percent of people think we talk once in a while. Ninety percent of people say we talk, but he doesn't really get me. And nine percent feel disconnected. It's very interesting. Very, That's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, um, let's get to the first question. It's a very basic question. I think a lot of people have this question, so we'll start with this. And again, anybody who wants to ask a question, please text me. Um, again, live questions go first. So anybody who wants to ask anything, text me, and we'll put you on live. Rabbi Elf, nobody has to be embarrassed, right? This opens. We're not talking specific, just a general, right? You have to ask the sponsor. Sponsor's anonymous, so I can't ask him. Me or most of our yeshivas today, they, the bar level of learning is very high. My son is struggling to stay afloat. He tries very hard, but he feels like he's failing. What advice could you give a parent that he feels this kid is just not staying up to the level of the yeshivas today, which, again, I don't know if you agree, but most, we feel most yeshivas are, the bar is pretty high at most, you know, yeshivas. Um, it's, uh, like you said in your, in your words, that uh, the question of the high bar of the yeshivas is a question which is, on one hand, specific to every child in every situation. So I would say a number of practical uh, answers. Number one is, is that it's very, very important when a child is particularly in the transfer stage from eighth grade to Mesifta to make sure that the child goes to a Mesifta that's appropriate to his level, okay? And not look for glory or a good name or a potential how it's gonna look on the Shidduch resume it's critical, critical, critical. There are different levels of Masifta, which the, 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 which operate on different levels of learning, each one in a wonderful way with wonderful rabbeim. It's critical to find a place that's adapted to uh, the, the child's level. That's A. Um, the critical um, years are the years of the Masifta. The Bacharim who struggle the question is referring to Bachram who struggle with the bar of yeshivas is during the Masifti years as we know a kid a bachar who can get out of Masifti in one piece is okay generally speaking and uh whatever challenges yeshiva gedola brings with it is a different story but the, the the falling because of the bar is during the Masifti years so the first the first criteria is to it's critical to find a Masifta that's appropriate for a child it requires a consultation particularly with the eighth grade rebellion who most of them um, know the child well, and to trust them and listen to what they say. The second uh, issue of children struggling is that the, there is a substantial amount of children struggling in high school because they have ADD, which is not being addressed. Um, it, it's it's a very something fascinating over the last five, six, seven years since ADD came to the front. I have met countless Bokharim countless Bokram, not from Mir necessarily, um, even more from other yeshivas who came into me and described a, um, a, a, a chain of years and years of struggling with learning. And uh, it looked like the bar was too high. And in the end, they had ADD, 
where they had a problem with focusing. There's a huge amount of bachim. I had a bachim with by me the other day from a, a, a very, very chashav yeshiva, a very, very chashav boy. And the child, and the boy was in his 20s already, is, was already getting into other things, quote-unquote, things which are inappropriate, and he was already going to help for it, and he was being treated for it, and he had gone to this therapist and to that therapist, and, 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 and the Bacha was a very harsh boy, an outstanding boy, boy is a Mitsuyan, but, but he was already getting sidetracked by all types of, quote-unquote, problems, and I said, listen, I don't know you, he sat outside in, in, in my chatzar over here in Yerushalayim because of distancing. And I said to him, just t- tell me about yourself. So you, how, how do things go? Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. And the boy, Agav Orch, Mamish, in a backhand, he, he describes the difficulty in focusing and the difficulty in following. And there's no question about it. The boy's been suffering for 10 years because of ADD. And I'm using ADD as a muscle. There are a lot of Bacharim. When I say a lot, I'm not talking about massive majority or these huge bombastic numbers, but many of the Bacharim who are struggling with the bar of the yeshivas, either they're in a place where they don't belong, and people would save themselves a tremendous amount of Agmas Nefesh if they would not send to places which are above the child's head and they would accept it. It requires a certain level of humility for that, to recognize that not every child has the same level. It's, a, it's not an easy Nisayim. But then when children don't do well in school, in a vast percentage of the cases, there's some sort of learning disability, whether it's ADD in many, many cases, which could be treated easily with medicine or other learning disabilities, which could also be treated appropriately. Um, I've seen uh, over the years, uh, including uh, many people sitting here tonight who, who have had children who struggled with the bar and, and got the diagnosis to help them, who saw dramatic results after being able to put the finger on what the cause is. The third thing is, is that there's a tremendous amount of support that could be done to a child in Masifta by hiring somebody to lower them to prepare the Gemara the night before. It's a very, very low-level technicality, but it's a difference of night and day. Another reason why children struggle in high school, and I, I, I don't want to, I'm afraid they're going to shut off my screen if I say it, because you people in New York don't want to hear about it, it's because of technology. The children of mediocre learning level are getting smashed to pieces because of exposure to technology. I'm not talking about inappropriate material. Smashed pieces. There's an entire track in the Mesiftas of boys who are not learning on the bar and they don't have a Gishmak in learning because of lower academic capabilities or because they have ADD or because they have specific learning disabilities, which I say again. The three things that I just said covers a large percentage of children who are struggling with the bar. And because of either loose parenting or bad friends, they're being exposed to technology, which is the makabapatish. It's the nail in the coffin. You take a child, and it's, it's funny that that's where it, and it's obvious, because the child who's struggling with a high bar of a yeshiva, it doesn't have a gishmak in learning. And the child doesn't have a gishmak learning by nature is going to move over to other things to keep them busy. And that border between the technology and the learning is killing the mediocre bathroom. It's killing them. I, I, I say to you that we're looking at an eradication of a certain population of yeshiva bathroom. 
There's an eradication of a certain population of yeshiva bachurim who 15 years ago struggled through ninth and 10th grade. Eventually they got it and they got into learning. Those children today who are struggling in ninth and 10th grade are not making it to 11th grade. When I say not making it, I'm not talking about going off the derech or at risk. I'm talking about they're not making it to get a gishmak and learning and then they'll learn for a year or two and go off to work a lot earlier than they should have or could have. And the combination of not getting the appropriate diagnosis in ninth and 10th grade or being in an inappropriate place or not getting the support of learning with a younger man at night, which is critical, not the father to learn with, but a younger man to learn with. Most parents learn with the children in a tense way. And then having those children who don't have a gishmaka learning, today they have other options. That combination is lethal. I can't stress it enough. And it's threatening an entire generation of children who are below the bar. It's, it really requires a separate gathering just for that to talk about. Thank you, Rabbi Elephant. Um, we have a lot of live questions coming in. I also have a lot of questions, so we're going to try to li- little mix it up, okay? Okay? Ask them now. But Ram wants to ask a question. Ram, can you Yeah. Am I on? Yes, you are. Thank you for taking my call. I'm going to take your time and make it very fast. I know a lot of questions here. I have a quick question and then it leads into another question. I'm going to just start off with a story fast. There was once a chazan that died and his son wanted a, wanted a from the chazanas. So the tzibur held that he, he didn't have the voice for it. You know, he had all the criterias. The Shulchan Aruch says for a chazan, but he didn't have the voice. But the son wanted the ash in it, so he went to the entire. And they come to the Rav, and the Rav says, I'm sorry, you can't come to Chat. Why? I have all the criteria, says the son. So, so the Bezdin tells him, the voice is not a criteria. The voice is, that's the hefts of a chazan. You first have to be a chazan, and then you have to have the criterias. Right, the Tnoyim is another step, but you have to be a chazan first. So my question like this, there's a lot of reasons. You know, she mentioned a lot of reasons, Shalom Bayis and ADD and Fred. I want to know like this, what are the levels? What's crucial? What's the Aleph that you have to have the voice? Otherwise, and what's the Tnoyim? Or are they all on the same pavement, or they're not? That's my that's one question, and I'm going to let you answer both questions. And if the, the answer to the shalom bias is that the shalom bias is the voice mamish, if that would be the answer, my question is, shalom bias is something that we daven for. I mean, the Chazal say kashikiris yamsuf, panasa, and shiduchim, which I would assume also means after you get married. So. It's kosher kriyas yamsuf. Most of Klai Yisrael is not a bevegda Miller's marriage. H- how much, how much can we blame on the marriage? I- I'm asking. You need a happy home. A happy home makes a happy family. But realistically, what could we could we have like a, a measuring tape of what does it mean a a a, a shambayis that's acceptable? that a kid could pull through in a healthy orphan? Those are two questions. Sorry for taking your time. 
I'm on a contract till 6.30 either way, so uh, it's, it's no problem. Thank you uh, for the very important question. Who, who was I speaking with? Rabbi Avram whom? Yeah. Uh, unless it's anonymous, I'm not sure if I'm going to ask that. What's, what's your name, Rabbi I don't care. I don't care. I'm not shy. I said my name. Avram Mishai Karelitz. Karelitz, right. That's a that's a nice name. Um, the the sh for the question. Um, so, first of all, you know, I, I'm not God's apostle in the world to answer the the question on exactly what and when. I, I want to make that clear. I, I would just use the opportunity of the hush of a question to repeat something that I said earlier to to use it to stress, and that is A and B. Um, I, if you would ask me, I think that the the chazan kite. Okay, the, the baseline requirement of of chinuch is Go back to the pasuk. Okay, you have to give over a message. In other words, if you want to know like what's called being a parent, one is: Do you have a message? You believe in anything? Is there anything important to you? Do you have what to give over? Everyone has to look themselves in the mirror and say like, what 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 message do you give? I I I see way too many bacharim, good bacharim. Who sit and learn, who steig, who grow, who haven't received a message from their parents. A message. It could be Arab Slichas, it could be Rosh Hashanah, it could be Yom Kippur, it could be what it means to do truva, what it means to do an Avera, what it means to run for mitzvahs, whatever it is. I haven't seen enough. I didn't say, I'm not coming to say a negative picture that rave of the door is not. But the, the first fundamental criteria of being a parent is Lamanashi Yitzhava, that you, you, you give over a message. And the second fundamental criteria is that it's a happy home, and that's the answer to your second question. Of course, um, of course, most people uh, don't have, like you said, a Vigna Miller's marriage. Um, but I, I'm going to say something controversial. One is, um, I think we should be expending a lot more effort in getting to Rabbi Victor Miller's marriage than just shrugging our shoulders and saying, oh, I don't have it, and what can I do? You know, he's Rabbi Victor Miller. And I, I think we can do a lot, a lot, a lot better job on our marriages, a lot, a lot better job, and improving, because the second criteria of what the, Rabbi Karel has asked about being a chazan is having a happy house. And also, if you answer, okay, so where's the bar? The answer is, is it a happy place? Is it a, is it a place that a kid wants to come home to Ben Azmanim? Because if it's a, that's, that's a, that's a very clear bar, by the way. It's, it's not in an exact bar in Ruchnius, and it's not in a, but it, it, is it a happy place? Is it a place that a kid wants to come home? He's coming home from yeshiva after a long span. Is it a place that he comes home? It's a happy place. It's a positive place. Yes, no places. We're after the chet now. Like like Rabbi Seinu taught us, we're not in the in the utopian world of other Israel. Nobody's perfect, and no shalom bias is perfect. But is the home a happy place? If the home is a happy place, it's a place where the child wants to be. So first of all, the child's not on the street. I always tell people, and this is more to get the kids at risk, but it's also to get to mainstream bachurim, in Volozhin and in Slutsk, and even in Breditchev, and even in um, Kerestir, before they had what they have there now. A child on a Motzah Shabbos didn't have what to do. So he was stuck at home, whether his parents got along or not. There was no child in Kerestira, and there was no Achnasas Archim in Bedichiv, and there was no, even in Raden now, they're building these huge visitor centers, which shows that Klai is moving towards Achtos. There's going to be child everywhere, from Raden to, 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 to Bedichiv. There's no shortage, Baruch Hashem. And, and today, the children have other places to be. Remember that. Uh, Amal, in the old days, a child didn't have other options. There was no 
golden schnitzel to go to. And golden schnitzel itself is nothing intrinsically dead if there is such a place. And I'm not running, it's not one of the sponsors of this evening as far as I know. I wasn't told who the sponsors are or what they're sponsoring exactly. But but a child today has an option of going to Golden Schnitzel if there is such a place. Now, a child 100 years ago didn't have that option. But our children have options where to go. And if the place, the house is not a happy house, and it's not a place, you have to ask yourself, the answer to Rabbi Carell's question is a very clear question. Is, is my house a place my child wants to be? In light of the fact that he or she has other options and other places to be, it's a very simple criteria. Do, does the child want to be at home? If the child wants to be at home and is happy to be at home. Then, a on a very superficial level, they won't want to be in other places. But b, but more than that, but more than that, the 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 child will be able to absorb what the home's about. Um, I have to a little bit argue on the disclaimer of yeah. Not all our marriages are a victim of those marriages. The ain't mala salt is nothing we could do. I think we can do a lot, a lot, a lot better job in working on the marriages, investing time in the marriages, improving the level of marriages. And and if people need professional help, they should go for it. If there are problems in communications, it, it, it would be worth the whole gathering tonight just to stress that and know not to be satisfied with mediocre marriages. And that we're not going to take a poll on that of most people if they have mediocre marriages, good or great. That's the poll that we're not going to take tonight um, for obvious reasons. But um, no, um, I, I would argue only with, with Rabbi Carell's in this point of don't be satisfied with not to have a victim Miller's marriage and don't be satisfied with mediocre marriages and invest time and effort and improving it and constantly upgrading it and there is what to do about it. It's, it's a topic for a separate gathering. Okay. I, I saw which I want to stress, I wrote it recently in an article that the um, Pachadjitzchak points out that after Adam Rishon was created, there are two aspects to Adam Rishon's creation. He was created and given life and of course Bokhu put him in an environment of nurturing and support. There's Gan Eden, there's, there's the creation of Ayipah Ba'ap of Nishmas Chaim, who created other Mauritian, and then Akash Bohu put other Mauritian in a place of nurturing. The, 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 the Bachidisek speaks out that if the Yom Kippur a person gets life back, and then comes Sukkot, where Akash Bohu puts you in a nurturing, supporting geographic location. That's why after the Chet of other Mauritian came death, and he was driven out of Gan Eden. There's the Gavra, there's the person, and then there's the place that you're in. What's interesting is, is that what characterized Gan Eden, which is this place, this geographic place of nurturing Adam Rishon, and also what characterizes a Sukkah, is they're both places of Simcha. The Sukkah is a place of Simcha. That means the place where a person nurtures and cultivates and grows is a place of happiness. And that's the critical role of marriages. Continue. I'm, I'm, go ahead. So the question is, before we go to question number two, um, the question for parents, uh, there's a lot of pressure for the boys before they go to Masifta, they discuss it in class, and they see where the good boys go and where the Shvacha boys are going. And obviously, everybody wants to go in the good Masiftas. And there's a lot of pressure. And like, like you said, that it's very important that you find the right place for the child. So what could the parent do if he sees his son is not, is not listening or not ready to listen because he wants to go with the good boys, even though he might not benefit from going there? What, what are the two choices that you're offering, by the way? He wants to go to the good masifta. So what? And uh, the job of parents today is, is to be 
to be to you know i'm going to give you a muscle okay from a different question which is not our topic today and uh I spoke to my Rebbe Rebbe Rudy about this type of question many times because I'm I'm out of America for a long time. All types of questions about um, children who want to do all types of things that parents don't want them to do, okay? Okay, we're not going to get into the topic today because it's going to turn controversial. And also, I'm a Yerushalmi, where my son goes to a Chede where they're only allowed to play with a certain size ball. It's a whole different topic. It, it, it's, it's a whole different thing. We'll talk about it at a different time, okay? And... The answer is, is that a parent has the right and the obligation to do what's good for their child, okay? So the, so the, the question, what do you mean what the kid's going to explode and this and that? So again, we go back to the fundamental basis of tonight's discussion. People who have happy homes and good relationships with their kids, nothing happens when they say no to a child. And the fundamental fear that we have, like, I'm going to ask Rabbi, Rabbi Coach Menachem, um, um, like, what's the problem? Why can't you say no? Are you scared? What are you scared of? Are you scared that the kid's going to go off the derech? So all of Klal Yisrael, from the time that the first article appeared in the Jewish Observer so many years ago, which um, exposed us to the topic of kids going off the of derech, which is a major, major topic and a major source of pain to countless parents, and it's a sorrow for the tzibur and for the yachid, but all of Klal Yisrael is paralyzed by the fear of my child going off. So I can't say no from A to Z. What's the question, Michal? If it's not good for your kid and you have a normal house and you have a good relationship with the kid and there's warmth and love, nothing's going to happen. The kid will grunt or will say no. It's like it, the, the, the whole question that you're asking, and I'm not criticizing the question in other way, by the way. Don't misunderstand me. The question is a snapshot of our whole of our whole world we live in today. What does that mean that a kid's eighth grade, he wants to go to school, it's not for him? You tell him no and you explain to him. You sit down with him lovingly and warmly. If the kid won't be happy, he won't be happy. But the ability to survive that crisis and the fear that's articulated in the in the question that you're asking, I'm speaking out the fear that's behind the question. What, do, what we're afraid to say no to a kid? What are you afraid? Let's say you're convinced that this misfit is not for the kid. Okay, you're convinced. You've made your judgment, Baruch Hashem. You're a person who you understand yeshivas. You've grown up. You know that it's not for the kid, and and the inability and the fear to say no is is just pure paralysis. Um, of, of the door that's afraid to say no to a kid and something which is critical for the children. We need to stop being proud of it. The kids are not going off the dark so quickly, by the way, okay? And uh, they're, they're not, not everyone's at risk. And uh, we're allowed to say no to a kid. You have to have a happy house. You have to have a good relationship with the kid. And yeah, if you don't have a relationship with the kid and you're in a constant, the house is a misery and it's not a happy place, then you're in big trouble when it comes to decisions like this. I think your question about the, the ability to say no to a child who wants to go to a certain misifta is, is an example of the Shalom bias issue, as an example of the positive relationship in general with the kid. Of course you need to say no. What's the question, Bukhal? The, the fear is being fed by a misconception about kids going off the derech, and it's being fed by a, a, a not enough confidence in our relationship with our kids that we can survive a major or middle-level crisis of saying to the child, you can't go to the school, that's not good for you. The whole, the whole question is such a mistake. You know, my parents didn't ask that question 25 years ago when they had a question of which school to send the child to. It's a question of the new door. What type of question is that? Of course the kid goes to the school, the parents decide it's good for them. The fact they're asking such a question, and I'm not criticizing, is just a mouthpiece of the total fear and paralysis that an entire door have been taken hostage by these eighth graders who know nothing about anything, okay? They barely know how to put their tefillin on. They're still struggling with their new mirrors that they got for, for, with, with the tefillin they got. They have no idea what's going on. And why, why is it even a, a debate of, of, a little, of a little kid who, who's just out of diapers telling his parents which school he wants to go to? It's absurd. 
So in other words, what I'm hearing from you is it doesn't, it, 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 it's not supposed to start now. The parents should be able to say no to the child. And if they have had a hard time till now, they will have a hard time saying no now. And a, a person who arrives in eighth grade who cannot, who doesn't have the ability to tell a child which was if to do should close up shop. Okay, the ball game's over. All right. They're in big trouble. All right, so let's go to number, yeah. Number two, how do we deal with the issue of widespread low self-esteem and the pressure and anxiety between the Bahram or, or what Bahram have today's days? I don't think the two things are connected. Um, I, I, I do agree that low self-esteem is widespread. Widespread doesn't mean that a majority of, of Bukharim lack self-esteem. Widespread means that I, I, would, I would be magder like this, that um, the most common challenge that Bukhara, Yeshiva Shabukhar has in the Yeshiva system is a lack of self-confidence. We'll say it that way, okay? It's the most common problem. I've met, um, I probably met thousands of Bukharim who have what we call a lack of self-confidence, a lack of self-esteem. I, I wanna take two minutes and explain the topic and um, explain where it comes from. First of all, uh, lack of self-confidence or lack of self-esteem um, is the plague of Yeshiva Bacharim. Okay? It's the plague of Yeshiva Bacharim. Uh, as I, I'm talking about regular mainstream Yeshiva Bacharim. If you'll ask me what is the number one challenge that Yeshiva Bacharim has, it's a lack of self-esteem, uh, lack of self-confidence, which articulates itself particularly in perfectionism. Okay? Um, particularly in perfectionism. Perfectionism is the greatest plague. That means if you'll take a thousand Bukharim who are struggling, when I say struggling, again, we're talking about mainstream Bukharim, not at risk. You'll take a thousand Bukharim who are being challenged on different levels. Um, in a vast majority of those thousand Bukharim, that's why I want, to, I want to be careful with the word widespread. I don't think that in the oil of my yeshivas, there's a majority of Bukharim who don't have self-esteem. But if you'll take a thousand Bukharim who are struggling, the vast majority are struggling with perfectionism and lack of self-esteem. Now, there's a tremendous misconception about the topic, and I want to particularly talk about the area where parents are involved in it, not the therapeutic part of it. People think that the problem of perfectionism or self-esteem, self-esteem particularly, is that the child doesn't believe in themselves or in their kreches or in their kishrenes, and it's a massive mistake. I've asked this question to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Tell me, do you think you're less than Pliny or Almaini? Um, do you really think you're less than them? And that's why, by the way, if I'm going to argue against common wisdom, and I'll take the gamble, that um, most people think that the eights are for, uh, for self-esteem issues and self-confidence issues is that the person should write out a list of things, the mileage that they have. It's a very common cosmetic old trick of all write down on a little, on, on a little piece of paper. For some reason, all the eights are givers say they should write on a little piece of paper. I don't know why not on a full sheet. Maybe they think the sheet will look maybe fuller because of the boy finds himself 10 miles or something. Like take a little piece of paper. They tell a little memo book, those little memo books that you, 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 you carry in your pockets with all your Kabbalists and Rosh Hashanah that people should find them. If something happens, they should know what you were Kabbalah and Rosh Hashanah. And they have to write into these little memo books. They're, they're, they're And um, I have to tell you the truth that after talking to, 30 years of Bukharim, I haven't found that it helped one Bukhar because the poor soul knows what his mindless are, by the way, better than everybody else. Halei, besides being a lack of self-esteem, he's also a Balgaiva, and he knows exactly what his mindless are. By the way, Gaiva is not a steer to self-esteem and perfectionism. The issue of self-esteem 
which articulate itself primarily in perfectionism of not being able to gauge um, whether I'm doing well or not is the plague of good yeshiva bachram. It's the plague of good yeshiva bachram. Now, where do parents come into this? I'll explain very quickly because we have limited time, but it's important. Since this is the this is the plague of good yeshiva bachram, perfectionism is is a situation where the child lives in a world of black and white. What I would call is the thermostat broke the thermostat which allows a person to measure oneself um, whether i'm doing well or not doing well and have a fundamental um, sense of satisfaction and accomplishment is broken and this is the plague this is the real problem of self-esteem it's not a problem it's as it's as opposed to common wisdom with the lack of self-esteem is that oh i don't believe in myself i don't believe in myself. it's not true by the way i have yet to find the bucher who doesn't think, who thinks he's stupid or doesn't have any talents at all, unless obviously the person is clinically depressed, which is a completely different topic. There's no real thing of, well, I don't believe in myself. What, what we do have is, is people who are going into perfectionism because they don't feel good about themselves, okay? So the lack of self-esteem, perfectionism, lack of self-confidence is not because the child or the bachor doesn't believe that they have kaychus, but rather because they don't feel good about themselves. So they have moved into what I call a track, or we'll call it, I'm going to say a bad word, it's like being addicted to perfection. Perfectionism gives me a high, it gives me a rush. A person feels good about themselves. People who fundamentally don't feel good about themselves are going to move to perfectionism because that's the only thing that doesn't give them a good feeling. I'm going to say something a little bit bombastic, if you don't mind, okay? Um, people have yeshiva bachram. That's what tonight's discussion is about, yeah? I'm going to say something incredible. I have met over the years hundreds of bachram who arrived in my dining room who, who said to me from, from the entire spectrum of yeshivas in Yerushalayim, okay? who came to me and said they can't get up in the morning, they're not functioning first aid or they're not doing well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? I'm gonna tell you something astounding from my statistics. Again, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there who have other statistics, but from my statistics, 100% of them, I'm saying an incredible number, 100% of them, except for those who are clinically depressed, which is very rare, by the way, okay? Except for those who are clinically depressed and need an anti-depression medicine, 100% of them didn't get up in the morning because they were perfectionists. I'm obviously there's, there's a certain crowd of Bochum who think that I have Rocha Kedish, by the way. It's an incredible thing. Only them, they're the only ones to think. My wife knows I don't have. But there's Bochum who come and they, they sit on my door, my thing, and they say they don't get up in the morning. So I say to them casually, You're a perfectionist. So the guy says, How do you know? So the answer is, is because people, Bochum who don't get up in the morning, who don't function, is because since most days are, like we say, partly cloudy, scattered showers in Central Park, they're just not one of these great Chalamoya trips. A regular day, right? A regular day in Teves, okay? Cheshvan is still exciting, but Tevis is, is one of the, is, is a very, very hard month. It's Nishtein, Hanukkah is over. You don't even see Pasha Shkolem on the horizon. And you get up on one of these mundane, cloudy days, and if you're a perfectionist, you have nothing to get up for, because the regular day doesn't do it for you. And perfectionism comes because it's, it's nishgut, the person's not happy. And they move towards perfectionism as the only measuring rod that works for them. Now, where do the parents come in? Because children are not happy either because of a lack of shalom bias or because they've undergone some sort of abuse or molestation along the way or some sort of social trauma. There's always a reason why a person is not happy. So lack of self-esteem and 
the perfectionism which comes with it, which, by the way, completely paralyzes a bacher. It's the number one cause of paralysis of a bacher. It's the measuring rod of either all or nothing, which literally destroys any possibility for growth. In a world of all or nothing, you can't grow. It's either all or nothing, and therefore it's always nothing, by the way. There's no such thing as all. All or nothing is nothing. And I always say a joke. I said this once at a Torah Masara convention that if they wanted to make an international convention of all the Bachram who are perfectionists and they wanted to invite them, where would they find them? They're all in bed under the cover. They're sleeping. They're waiting for the next new sugya, for the next two dots that's going to make a new haschola and a new bren. I think Oiz Vahad is going to come out with a new Gemara for the new door that will have two dots every two lines. The Vilna Shas was for a non-depressed door. They have the two dots every half a page. I think the new door, and Oiz Vahadur can certainly, uh, or Art School, I don't, want to, I don't know who's sponsoring tonight's event, so I don't want to say anything. Whoever will be will put out a new Gemara that will have a two dots. Om Rabaya, two dots. He say, Tichavusa, we'll make a new start. In the next video, we're going to mamish. We're going to knack with all the Rishonim and all the Achreinim from the Ketzayis to the Nesibas with all the Rebbe Kivegas and all the Rebbe Kishmol. In the middle of the second Rajah, when the guy has to make a Cheshmi, he didn't get it 100%. He's out of the ballgame, but he has another two dots coming up. And he tells us, Chavusa, I'll be back next week. And those problems are rooted primarily in parents either not creating a happy child or not being aware of something that's going on with the child that's destroying the kid's fundamental good feeling about themselves. And a person naturally, I'm saying something critical, has a good feeling about themselves. Adam Marishan didn't have a therapist. I think Coach Menachem over here is sitting here, so he's more in the field than I am. He probably knows. Adam Marishan didn't have a therapist. Can you believe it? How do we know? He was the Nazir Abriya. It doesn't say that he was created with therapist. It says it was no, Chava no, came along no afterwards. Competition. What? It's not true. You see, you're saying a modern answer that the source of the problem is the competition. Other reason didn't need a therapist, not because he didn't have competition. Competition is not the source of the need for therapy. Um, a person who's happy with themselves doesn't depend on outside criteria and doesn't care for this competition, okay? Other reason didn't need a therapist because he was Nezer uh, Abriya. He was created bishlemos, and he had his own internal happiness. Afterwards, things are complicated. That's why we're gathered here tonight. The The... The person who grows up in a safe, happy environment has self-confidence. I repeat, a person, you don't need to give your kids self-confidence. You don't need to tell them 50 times a day they're great. If they're happy, they know that. And if they're not happy, you're telling them won't help a key who's there and also writing these ridiculous lists of all the miles they have. Children who grow up in a safe, happy, secure environment will automatically grow up with a good feeling about themselves and they will not need to move to perfectionism in order to feel good about themselves. What happens with the perfectionism, one more sense, if, if, if my chairman don't mind, and um, one more sense that I would say is, is that what happens is like this, the child doesn't feel good about themselves. I'm saying a very primitive equation, but it's, it plays out in thousands of Bochum. A child doesn't feel good about themselves for whatever reason. The person child moves to perfectionism, which is a bar which can't be met. Then, since it can't be met, the sense of failure kicks in. So then I must be a failure. And that's where the lack of self-confidence comes from. I'm saying, I'm saying opposite in the common wisdom. I know that. But I've seen this play out in thousands of Bachrim. You know, you ask me about children not living up to the bar of Mesiftas. Most of sense of failure that Bachrim have is not because the Mesifta that they're in is above their bar. Most Bachrim have a sense of failure is because they don't feel good about themselves. They've created in themselves a bar which can't be met. The reason why they've created that bar is because it's only that bar that gives them a sense of success. They've reached this 
incredible horizon, which can't be met, by the way. And then when they don't meet that all or nothing, begins the sense of failure. The real sense of failure is a derivative of the perfectionism rather than the cause. And then we're in trouble. But a lot of this could have been avoided if our children would have fundamental good feeling about themselves. And here I go back to like a parrot. I don't want to, again, argue with Rabbi Karelitz, but here Shalom Bayis plays a major role, not in my introductory words where I spoke about absorbing the messages of the house, the fundamental emotional well-being of a child. A child in their natural state grows up happy, has self-confidence. It's not something that you need to acquire from a book or from lectures. A person in their natural state is happy. Mela is a healthy, productive human being. The trouble begins when the child is not happy, they move towards perfectionism, and that's when all the tsaras happen. This is the number one plague of yeshiva bachram. I'm not going to say that a majority of yeshiva bachram have a almost 100% of regular mainstream bachram who don't have emotional issues and don't have emotional turbulence struggle with this issue. It's something that could be very well taken care of in early childhood to avoid it. Wait a it's second. A topic. It's a topic for an entire evening. I have many parents over here that are sitting and listening. And because they have a little bit of perfectionism themselves, when they hear the words from you, a safe, happy, and secure home, they feel like they can close shop. So again, the, 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 they need to deal with their perfectionism. By the way, I'm going to say something controversial, if you don't mind, but that's what you brought me on for tonight. And um, that's all you want in America. You're just looking for something to, to be controversial. I understand that. In Yerushalayim, we're just happy with just a regular day. But in America, you're always looking for something exciting. Um, perfectionism, in a way, when, it, when perfectionism in any area of life crosses that boundary which disturbs functioning, okay? It can only be t taken care of with therapy. It can't be fixed any other way. Not with Shari Tuva, not with Orchus Tzadikim, and not with um, any Avodis Hashem. Unfortunately, um, it's a plague in our community, the perfectionism. You articulated it in the name of the parents sitting here tonight. So I, I am... Uh, not all of them, yes, because that would be a perfectionist thing to say. The, 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 there's no question about it that a, 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 the perfectionism is plaguing us as a community. Um, it's not coming mistakenly thought from um, unrealistic spiritual or ruchniest expectations. It's coming more from post-war issues, which we're not going to get into, of um, the people who you represented are perfectionists grew up in houses which created that. And if a person finds that they or their perfectionism is causing them any sort of dysfunction, I take back the work any sort, substantial dysfunction in their lives, whether it's in child rearing or in their own ruchniest growth, and they're not able to get out of that, there's no question about it to get professional help on some level. I have not seen people get out of perfectionism by themselves. I'm talking about on the level of perfectionism, which is hampering their day-to-day -day, um, um, functioning. If we only gathered here tonight just for that, it was worth it, was worth it alone, because it's something which is plaguing our community. It's plaguing parenting. It's plaguing learning. It's plaguing growth. It's plaguing davening. It's plaguing avodah Hashem. Perfectionism is the plague of our community, and it's, 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 it's emotional-based. Everybody, for their reason of where they come from, in most cases, I'm stressing, it is not in a place which handicaps a person to the necessity of getting professional help. It's not, okay? But in places where a person feels, well, if you're representing somebody over here in your question of parenting who finds that their perfectionism is hampering their parenting, okay, they should go 
perfectionism is not, I, I spoke to people where, you know, uh, uh, I always ask a buckle who's a perfectionist, tell me why you're perfectionist. Why, the guy says he was born this way, okay? I've heard this from thousands of them. They were born this way, the perfectionists. So then I would suggest that um, Doria Sharm should have a new genetic testing um, instead of Tay-Sachs. So this is a much more common genetic disease. By the way, it's, uh, this is common for Sephardim and Ashkenazim and Hasidic. This is not, uh, this is not an Ashkenazic genetic disease. If Taka people are born with perfectionist tendencies, then it's something that I would urge all of you to check before you do a Shidduch. But Are it's not a perfectionist or not? I'm sorry. Do they do a shidduch with another perfectionist or not? I want to know for the test. Absolutely. The misery is common. The 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 point is that it's not a genetic um thing. It's something which is an emotional based thing, which needs to be um it needs to be addressed. So if it's hampering a person, a person's living within, a person's fundamentally happy, I go back to Rabbi Karelis's guidelines, then it's okay. And if it's fundamentally not happy and it's hampering my parenting or my avodas Hashem or my personal growth, then um I, I urge anybody who has it to go get a little bit of help in a couple of months. It could be spoken out to find out what, what's, what's the misery inside of us that causes us to be perfectionists. I repeat, what is the misery inside of us that causes us to move towards the cocaine of perfectionism, which makes us feel good about ourselves? The problem is that it's, it's a little bit cheaper than cocaine, but it doesn't do it. I just want to say I want to try to move uh, the cover. I'm trying to move, move through a lot of live questions people want to ask, and I want to, we, we we so many topics we didn't even touch on yet that I want to try to get to if we could. Reverend Reverend wants to ask a child. First of all, I'd like to thank Rabbi. First of all, I would like to thank Rabbi for coming on. It's a tremendous music for me, and I'm sure it's a tremendous music for others as well. Rabbi mentioned before. Rabbi mentioned before the the issue of many bacharim turning to technology. Now we know that a person is mushpa from his sviva, and there are many people that have either smartphones or internet access in their home, computers, and many parents, fathers, and mothers, and many people use say they need it for panasa, which is probably true. But to a certain extent, many people would agree that a lot of time is spent. Parents are spent on technology for things which are not for Panasa, even though people say it's needed for their daily life, but people spend a lot of time on technology for unnecessary things. And some people would say they even spend majority of the of time on technology not associated to Panasa. I know and a few people like that. What? I know a few people like that. Go ahead. And the fact remains that are in a sviva of ashpa of seeing people using technology constantly wherever they go. My question is, what is should be our shi'ifa as parents? What goals should we set to those that need the technology for panasa? What goals should we set to set a proper example for bathroom that they shouldn't be have this ashpa and desire to to, to um, get involved in technology? So so the truth is, is that two things. One is on a technical level, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a tag office. So on, on a very technical level, the standard of how and what to do is hard for me to answer, certainly in a public forum. I think every person on their level, okay? Second of all, the topic of technology, as much as all of you who are sitting here, you know, that I'm, I'm looking at a board of the topic, I can assure you that it has not been, you don't want to hear about it. And I, I, I feel they're going to, 
not going to let you ask a question next time again because you brought up the technology issue. And um, it's the last thing that anybody wants to hear because the Oilam has been there, done that, and nobody wants to hear about it at all. I'm watching my partners over here frown that, um, that uh, again, the technology thing came up again and you're ruining the entire evening of my freed. But I appreciate our Neuach, the Zangesundenstag, that you brought it up because I'm going to say the following sentence again. We should dedicate, I say to Coach Reb Benachim and to non-coach Reb Usher, that um, we should make a gathering about technology. It's an issue which has not been dealt with appropriately in our Tzibur. I will say the following, though, one sentence. I'm going to repeat again what I said, and you can quote. The, the very stark Bacharim in the Olam HaYeshivas, which is a majority of the Bacharim, as opposed to common wisdom, by the way, a majority of the Bacharim in the Olam HaYeshivas are doing very, very well. A vast majority, the thousands of Bachim who are staging, who are growing. Anybody tells you otherwise, just go into the shuls in Lakewood Ben Asmanim and look at the thousands of Kindalach who are sitting and learning Ben Asmanim. The shuls are packed with people. Anybody who tells you otherwise that the door is falling apart, the door is not falling apart, the door is good, and the door is stark, and the door is learning, everybody's good. And they're not in trouble with technology. The tzibur that's getting killed by the technology are the, are the Bacharim who are what we call middle level Balakishrainis or middle level success in learning. And they're the ones who are getting smashed to pieces from the non-boundaries of parents with technology and inability and the availability of what they have. It's an entire discussion of putting it on the table. And I've said this in public many times. There are 560 people, it says on my screen, sitting in front of me. If all of you would put a stop as a tzibor to the proliferation and dramatically lower the exposure of your children to um, technology and the amount of time it's spent on and when your child comes home and says everybody has and you would say well we don't okay and we're different and gather together um, a majority of your children's classes and put a stop to it it's an entire discussion I don't want to get into it okay because I really if if, if, the, if if there'll be somebody to sponsor this event at a different time um, not not for my salary by the way it's for the aids in the in the what do you call it if there be somebody to sponsor it so then uh, we'll gather together and talk about it i do want to talk about it. i think it's critical but i will say that you should all know that your inability as a community in america as a zebra as a toyridicate zebra your inability to put a stop to this your inability to tell your kids no and your inability to stop what our nurse spoke about the ridiculous amount of time that you as a tzibur spend on the iphone not with inappropriate material on appropriate quote-unquote material is killing the middle bachram killing an entire dog i told a major asking a few weeks ago i'm going to say something controversial now but i stand behind what i said that the cause of the shidduch crisis in america is because a vast amount of middle Bachram who don't have a huge Gishmak in learning are getting killed by the technology. I repeat, the cause of the Shidduch crisis in America is because an entire population of Bachram who would marry good girls have fallen out because the parents didn't know how to make boundaries with technology and the numbers therefore are misbalanced, okay? Because a boy, in order to learn, can't learn when he's exposed to technology or playing Fortnite at night with his friends on, on the thing. It's killing the middle door. So, so the shuls are packed with boys who are learning. The good yeshivas, the oilam is staging. And the middle bacharim who don't have such a gishmak of learning are getting smashed to pieces from ridiculous video games, computers, narishkeit, like Fortnite and other addictive games. I think that's what it's called, which has swept through the from communities. It's destroying your children 
world, and it's the biggest failure of Haredi Yeshivish America since the war. The inability to stop this plague, and it's wiping out a certain part of our population. Just you don't see it because most of the tzibur is doing very well. But part of the tzibur on it, and those hundreds of kids a year who are getting destroyed from the fortnights of the world, are falling out of the shidduch system, but that's we're not talking about shidduch tonight. That's a different gathering. But it's the cause of the of the shidduch crisis, or it's exacerbating it. Go ahead. It's almost shachris. Let's go ahead. Okay, uh, Mrs. Greenspan. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much. I'm really appreciating this drasha that you're giving, and I apologize if you addressed my question. I was listening, and I don't think it was addressed. Um, it was mentioned before that a lot of the children, that the boys that struggle, have low self-esteem. And it was mentioned that a lot of the problems come from an, a home where uh, the shalom bias is not what it, it's meant to be or where the children are not, they don't feel safe and loved. But how about if somebody has six, seven, eight children and of those children, all but one are, are happy and well-adjusted and you see one child who is growing up in the same warm environment with the parents that have modeling the same happy, healthy marriage and the parents are doing everything they can to make this child happy. And you see what's gonna be in five, 10 years from now, you see the children who are not happy and you see the path that they're taking. What could you do to proactively, if everything is being done to model a, a healthy, happy house and the rest of the children are falling in line, what could be done proactively to make oh, sure that this- so I don't, ha I don't have the answers to these types of questions. You know, Zin, there are Tsaurus in the world, which, which I certainly don't have the answer to. We don't have answers to all the questions, okay? And, you know, specifically, you're talking about an unknown child, okay? But um, generally speaking, okay, generally speaking, I'm saying something not from my experience. I'm just saying as, as, as a conversation piece, and that's why I'm not going to, to go into length about it, because I don't think I have any more wisdom to offer on this topic than you do, Mrs. Greenspan. And that is, is that generally speaking, in most cases, there's a cause why the child's not doing well, either emotionally or um, academically. Now, again, I, 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 you're right. Not everything comes from marriages. There are outstanding homes with marriages. We could don't do well. Um, the only thing I could tell you besides to Davin, by the way, is to get the child early on an evaluation, either psychiatric, psychological, emotional, or educational. And um, I've seen dramatic results from these things. That's the only contribution that I have to tell you. Um, there's usually a reason why a child, but there is such a thing as a child who's difficult. And um, I, I don't think in this context or any context, I have what to offer to fix that. Uh, really, really, there are sorrows in the world. Not everything is easy. And, uh, and, I, and there's nothing that I'm saying tonight. I, I preface my words tonight. That's a solution for all the problems of Kali Israel. We're not going to fix the hole in the ozone with, with, all, with all the aces that we're talking about tonight. There's no question about it that there are exceptions to the rules. I can only tell you that in many situations, a good evaluation would have helped. Sometimes there's border there's personality disorders. There are things like that, which, which are serious issues, which, uh, which could be helped or can't be helped. I don't have a magic potion for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Rabbi Elephants, this, uh, this is one of the questions I want to get to tonight. What should a father do when he sends his sons to yeshiva, supposedly like, you know, B'nai Ali yeshiva, when his son comes home, it's off Shabbos, B'nai Azmanim, he davens late, barely learns, he claims he just needs a break. What's the question? question is, uh, you send the kid, he's doing well in yeshiva, good yeshiva. When he has an off Shabbos, you see him waking up, coming to shul an hour late, learning for 20 minutes. He's just not, when it's, when it's his off time, he's really taking the off time. How should a parent that his kid is basically doing well, but you feel like it's a little bit like he's not really being kind of it because when, it's, when he's off, he's just not doing anything properly. He's coming late, you know, stuff like that. Famous question. I remember I had a bocher in my shir uh, 25 years ago. 
uh, I don't think he's on tonight here. And uh, he's a, a major chinuch personality today who really has helped hundreds and hundreds of kids. And uh, his father complained word for word. It sounds like his father uh, like wrote the question word for word. And you forgot to add on the famous um, Hungarian sentence. I can make a joke about it because I am one myself. And, and that is, uh, and this is what I sent you to Yeshiva for. Um, my tuition? Some people talk about the tuition, some people talk about what I sent you for, but um, the nusach is different. But the, the content is, uh, so the, the, I, I, I thought you're learning, and you know, the, the poor guy didn't come home, he didn't say at the meal, and his whole year went down the drain. It's incredible. It's, it's, the power of destruction is moiridic. You know, the poor boy came back after Holzman, he didn't prepare the for the first Suda or whatever it is, and uh, he came late, and ball game's over. The rest of the minute's mom's not in a game. Tashbisu, the, the parents wiped out the entire Ben Asmanim. Um, it's an incredible phenomenon which happens only by people who are disturbed. Um, I would say the following, okay? The, with Chinuch, there, there's two things which are, are critical to this type of question you're asking. One is, we need to deal with our children in, with a long-range view, not with a small-minded view of today, okay? So everything we do with our kids, um, it needs to be with an eye towards the finish line of where we want to get to. Let's say you have a kid who's 15, 16, 17, he went to Yeshiva, he came back, okay? Let's say you have a picture of where you want him to be when he's 20, 21, okay? You have to think about in every day, um, first of all, I'm talking about ideological level of the way we deal with the child in every scenario is what's going to get them to the finish line, not what's going to get them to daven or get up now in this particular man is man or not. So the decisions of how to deal with a child who comes home ben asmanim and wants to quote unquote relax or with davening all that. First of all, in general, the, the decision of how to deal with it should be done with a long range view. I'm saying this because I, I believe this question is a springboard to bring out this point. Many times we get stuck in local events and a, 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 a very uh, smart Jew in Yushalayim who I used to ask him questions, when I would ask him these types of questions, would tell him, okay, so you'll say X, Y, and Z. And then va'azma, I'll translate for you. He would say, and then what? In other words, the first answer to this question is, is and then what? So you'll say something. Tell me what you gain from it. And what I'm saying just now is perhaps the most important thing that I'm saying tonight. You know, Yushalayim, where I am now, is what's called a, a major part of Yushalmi activities is what's called the Chi of Machal, right? Right. Now, everyone's busy making mukhals about everybody else. When you see these huge posters it's, which, hold, which hold up the walls, like they say, uh, you, you've all learned in Eretz you've all been there, done that with these huge posters. And you all know that uh, the mukhal is not a way of bringing up children, by the way. So whenever you say anything out of your mouth to a child, you need to ask yourself and say, and what's going to be the result? You told the kid off. So first of all, on a local micro level, my answer to your question is like, and then what? The kid's gonna get up early because of that. He's gonna have a happier person. You, in the long range picture of Chinuch, Chinuch requires long range planning, not short range planning. We don't live for the minute in Chinuch. When we talk about guidelines of Chinuch, we're talking about the end game of where I wanna get to. So first of all, when a child comes home in a benazmanim, you can't focus on the benazmanim. You need to focus on the longer picture and the longer relationship with the child of where I want to get to. Okay, that's A. But second of all, on the particular question that you asked, leave the kid alone. That's my answer to your question. A child comes home benazmanim, he needs warmth, he needs love, he needs a good meal sitting on the table when he lands from the bus 
three-course dinner. Fridge should be full as much as economically you're able to do it. He needs warmth and love. He doesn't need your nudgerai. Imagine the guy's in this pressure cooker a whole year. We're talking about a boy who comes with his man and he's in this. Look at this intrinsic steer between the two parts of today's evening. On one hand, everyone's asking about the high bar that's above the kids. So these poor kids are in these moistures with the pressure, pressure, pressure. The, the top yeshivas are pressuring the kids like crazy. Fine, they're doing great. The other yeshivas are pressuring and they're not making it. Then the poor kid finally comes home, Ben Asmana, right? And then his parents are standing over him. You get up for that, and you get up for that, and don't eat so much that, and you already took that from the fridge. Why are you taking again, and why are you drinking so much soda, and why are you going here, why are you going there? Leave the poor kid alone. He has one island in the world where he comes home from a very anxiety-pressured world. He's out there trying to find himself he's out there trying to survive he's out there trying to succeed and then he comes home for a few weeks a year into vita a pressure cooker alone i always say it's very simple with waking up your kids man as mine i'll tell you what i did and i believe in it as an ideal ask your child do you want me to wake you up now there's a very simple if the child says i don't want you to wake you up so then you're in trouble anyway if the child says wake me up at a certain time so wake him up at a certain time once you're not an alarm clock by the way you're a parent you wake up the child once. You don't need to cause post-trauma by waking up the child 20 times. The kid didn't get up. It does not mean that his man was a failure. I repeat, a child who comes over at his man and doesn't get up for davening and doesn't open a safer. I have children of mine today. I have a child of mine who's a bucky in chas, who um, he even learns in brisk. Can you imagine? And uh, he, uh, he was there for seven years, and he, he writes the notebooks now. For the, he writes the hefter now in the kachim share over there. And he knows Nashim Nazik, and that's why I sent him there to learn Kachim. And I remember one of the men as Manim when he was 16, and he was a tremendous Mitsuyan. I remember he did not open a safer, the entire men as Manim, not even a Tikkun Kairim, not even the Devetar and the Yossi Neman, nothing. He didn't open a safer, the entire thing. And I remember because I was one of these um, Hungarian worried um, second generation parents, I was worried that what's going to be is going off the derech. And I, was, I represented your question, and thank God I have a sane wife who taught me and I bit my lips until they bled and I didn't say a word. And the next man is man, he learned. You want to know why Bachrim who learn an entire man don't open a safer man as manim? Answer number one, I don't know. I've experienced it myself. I was also once a Bachar. By the way, all of us are once Bachar also. It's funny, all these people asking these questions, I don't remember that I learned so much Ben Asmanov or got up in time. And I don't know, we turned out okay. I even got myself to get to this evening to speak. So it must be that people who don't learn every Ben Asmanov well, eventually something does come out of them. And it's not the end of the world. Nothing will happen. Leave your children alone. When they come on Bain Azman, you don't need to tell them to learn. If you have a child who's not learning, so you're in trouble anyway the whole year. Why why does all this Saurus have to land on punk the time he comes home? Punk the whole year everything's okay, and then the kid comes home for two weeks and Tati and Mommy stand at him and they, they do it all types of ways. Who are you learning with this morning? Who says I'm learning this morning? And what did you learn this morning? Who says I learned? Who says I want to leave the kid alone, by the way? He's doing fine. He did well the whole year. If you'll hold yourself in one Ben Azmanim and don't tell the kid to learn. I give you all the bracha, next man is man, and the kid will go to learn. I can guarantee you that if you nudge him, you'll find the next man is man, and he opened a business, and he's doing all types of things, but one thing, he's not home, that's for sure. Leave the kid alone when he comes home, Ben Azmanim. Leave the kid alone. Ask him what time he wants to get up in the morning so that you can wake him up once for shachris and ask him what he wants for supper. Those are the two questions, not in that order that you should ask your children when they come from Bezmanim. Carry them, give them COVID, tell the boy, wow, you learned an entire Zman, especially during the trying times that we're in. You stagged, you grew, you're the center of the house, you're the diamond of the house. Don't 
tell your kid to go learn Benazmanim. He will go by himself. And if he doesn't, you're in trouble anyway. Wow, a lot of information. Huh. Um, what's with a kid that's still home and has to go to Shachris in the morning and the mother wakes him up? I guess a few times. Say that again? The mother, the mother's trying to get the, the, the child to go to Shachris in Yeshiva. The child says, I'll go 9 o'clock, 9.30. I can dive in local. But it's not... <laughs> I don't have an answer to that question. It's a specific issue and a specific situation. You understand? I don't have an answer to anything. Like I said in the beginning, every situation is different. Why a child's not getting up in the morning? It has to be find out why the child's not getting up in the morning. You understand? Beautiful. Okay, so this is a question that came in about the son is not stopping, doesn't stop shopping. He needs up-to-date style clothing always needs to be the one in this class that's the first that has that style. So the, the, the person that's asking the question is, how can I explain to him, number one, that he doesn't need it, number two, I can't afford it, and number three, that's not how he's going to grow up to be a Talmud Chachem. So I think um, the, the third part of that's not going to be a Talmud Chachem, he can spare the child the speech, okay, because I'm not sure that's exactly what the kid needs to hear. Um, the The... Again, I'm very weary of this question. I want to repeat the question again. What was the question? You have a kid who needs to have all the constantly shopping, constantly spending money, okay? Needs to be the first in the class, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very weary of answering the question because I'm afraid that if people have such a child, they may rely on what I'm going to say. And I believe that it's a specific question more than a general question. It depends on every situation. However, I will give a general answer with having said the disclaimer that I just said. I said a disclaimer. In other words, a question like this has many exceptions, but I would say it's divided into a very general into two types of kids, okay? There are kids who have serious emotional issues that causes this, okay? Um, in which case, there's one set of rules. And then there's a regular kid who got out of control where a, person, a parent needs to make boundaries and a parent needs to be able to say no Okay, that means there's a very delicate balance of, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna point out two things which are critical, okay? On one hand, on one hand, the idea of saying, well, I didn't have it when I was young, so you can't have, is poison. You know that line? It's the second popular line after the line of, this is what I sent you to Yeshiva for? That's popular line number one. Popular line number two is, well, I managed without it, why can't you? Stay away from Narishkat like that, okay? Um, kids have different needs. And if you can afford it and the kid has a reasonable need, give it, okay? That's A. However, when you're talking about things which are unnecessary, absolutely, okay? And out of the budget, parents are allowed to, without, parents should not relay severe financial distress that they're into middle age and young children. The children can't deal with it. It's part of the child feeling safe and being taken care of. However, you are allowed to say no, and you're allowed to say we can't afford it, and you're allowed to say you don't need it within the range of not saying all the time, well, I didn't have it, so you don't need it, and within the range of supplying a child's legitimate needs. A child's legitimate needs are not what you think they need, but it's also not what he thinks he needs, okay? You know, we live in this world of extremes. Either we live in this world of, well, I didn't get it, so you don't need it, or give the kid whatever he wants. I don't live in that world. I think that there's a middle ground over here where a person can give a child more than they think the child needs, 
and yet not give the child whatever the child needs. And um, I would add on something a little bit deeper. People think that discipline or boundaries plays a role is another whole topic. It's really, it's really another whole topic for an entire evening, the idea of saying no to a child. But I just want to say one sentence. Can I jump in? I just want to, there's one more question that's similar, and I think it's going into this. Basically, I'm going to read it, and it's really my question, personally. And my, it's just a question that I have, and I see a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of children, um, they come home and they say, this boy's driving this bike, a $600 bike, expensive thing, or they get a custom suit for the bar mitzvah. His father took him to Eretz Yisrael. Custom suit for a bar mitzvah? What? A custom suit? Really? Oh, yeah, that's, that's for the poor people. But anyway, the bottom line is... Is that the same people who started to cut sliced meat at Kiddush's? Yes, I, that's the regular shot too, though. But the, by, by the thing, they bring in, you know, special wagyu meat. But anyway, the point that's is... Cool. That's the, cool. the, the point is that the, the gashmis are so strong, and it's a lot of neighbors and a lot of people, I mean, maybe not in Eretz but in America, it's very strong. Segways. Segways, that's just an example, because that's in our neighborhood, it's just common. But people come with such big asagas, and it's it's like... It's hard. Do you say no because it's so extreme? But then my kid says, what do you mean? Everybody else has it. Like, okay, example, so, so, kid, so, an example is like taking a kid there to stroll for, for the bar mitzvah. A lot of people there to stroll for bar mitzvah. It's a massive expense besides the bar mitzvah. You're all, says, nuts. You're, you're all nuts. That's first of all. That's my first answer. Him, ask him. Ask him for that. In other words, you're all absolutely nuts. Me, but it doesn't help me. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. First of all, you're all nuts. Okay? And you're all out of control. That's first of all. It's, I'm saying that officially. It's Rahmanas on all of you, okay? Rahmanas on you, on your kids. Make a and, um, what? And um, it's not you. It's Rahmanas on, on, on the whole door that people have to mortgage their houses to come on these ridiculous trips to Eretz and they, they drag these sweating kids from Godel to Godel. It's a, it's, 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 it's a nest that the good Elam have survived Corona and the, and the, and the Flatbush and Lakewood Bar Mitzvah kids. The two of them together is a lethal combination. It's ridiculous, the whole situation. Listen, to, I want to answer you, okay? Both questions, okay? Um, you know, there's a, there's a major problem over here. There's many levels of the question that you asked, okay? First of all, I, I repeat again, I want to summarize the rules, okay? I'm, I'm not talking about a specific class where everyone has a segue or whatever it is, okay? AA, our, our kids deserve to get things that we didn't necessarily have because the world has changed, okay? A. B. Even inside a family, by the way, this rule of Maishi didn't get it, so Shlemi can't get it is, 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 is rigidity. Every child has different needs, by the way, okay? Every child has different needs. So the idea that um, I, I can't give it to you because I don't think you need it or Maishi didn't get it is not a way to bring up kids. We need to be flexible, okay? That's A. However, now we move over to the other extreme where you can't say no to a kid. So let's talk about a few things. The inability to say no to a kid besides the fact that it, it, the child never gets uh, self-controlled, okay? And the child never learns to exercise any sort of uh, discipline, it's something much, much, much deeper. And that is, if you can't say no to a kid and you don't have any boundaries in your life, so you don't have a family. I'm saying something very, very deep. If you don't discipline your kids, you don't make boundaries, and you don't say that's not for us. So beyond the, the, the chinuch for lack of self-control and beyond the chinuch for lack of discipline, and beyond the chinuch for endless tithes, excuse me for using such a word, okay? But beyond that, what you're really sending your message to a kid is, is that we as parents are people that you can't rely on. I repeat again, because if you can say no to your kid, what you're sending a message to your kid is that I'm a wimp. Now, what your kid absorbs from that is, subliminally, is that my parents are people I can't rely on, because they have no backbone, they have no spine, 
and they're able to be terrorized by some little punk who was able to sell them some stupidity about the whole class having when actually, by the way, I have statistically checked every parent who called me from Lakewood particularly, who asked me a question about all the kids in the class have X, Y, and Z. I asked all of them, please go back and check how many. And the answer was between five and seven. Now, I don't believe most classes in, in Lakewood have seven boys in the class, okay? And the, most of the children who say that everybody has is a lie, okay? And the inability of parents to say no on things that are absurd don't make sense just because everybody has beyond the damage, the local damage of non-discipline and non-self-control, the major effect is that the kids understand that my parents have no spine, my parents have no boundaries, my parents are weaklings, and I can't rely on them in a time of need because they're a bunch of nebuchs. And the damage that's done from non-boundaries and inability to say no is way beyond the overspending. You know, you're talking about overspending and listening to everybody and the kid's going to be about Taiva. What concerns me is, is that your kid doesn't have parents because he doesn't have a family and there's no house and there's no boundary because a house is not just a physical structure. A house is an entity. And when the parents don't have the ability to say no and create boundaries and say, this is our lifestyle, even if they have the money, by the way, nothing to do with money. Even if we have the money, this is the way we live. Now, the way we live needs a flexibility, okay? We're not living in Rodden without floors. But this is our standard of living, either because this is what we believe in or because this is what we can afford. The inability of parents to give over that message and stand behind it to their kids means they don't have a family. And the kids absorb that when I'm going to be in trouble, I don't have anybody to rely on because my parents are wimps. And the damage from that is far more than the extra segue or ridiculous trip for Mitzvah that they took. Well, but I have to tell you, we have to live up to this. It's a problem. It's a challenge. It's not a problem. Um, and um, if all of the 542 people who are still on here now would gather together and stop believing the narishkeit of everybody has and start to go back to sanity, we could stop this craziness. Just Everyone's afraid of everybody else's shadow. You're, you're, you're all, when I say you, I don't mean anybody sitting in front of me. You as a, as a community have been taken, you've been kidnapped by 13-year-olds. It's an incredible thing in the history of Klaisol. Um, An entire middle-class, middle-aged door were kidnapped by their little kids. They're being terrorized by 13-year-olds who tell them that everybody has. Like, nobody has any spine. You don't have any guts to say no. We're, talking, we're not talking about, I said, if a child, now all this, all this that I said is with a child who's not at risk. A child who's at risk has a completely different shulchanach. Everything I just said about making boundaries and having a spine and being strong and being secure and being an anchor and making boundaries and, and representing what a family is and stop being terrorized or kidnapped by 18 by a bunch of little kids, as long as you provide them with their legitimate needs, not yours, by the way, all this applies to children who are not in trouble. Children who are in trouble have a completely different Shulchan Aruch. Those are the kids I would take on the trip, and those are the kids I would spend the money on. That's a completely different Shulchan Aruch. I, I don't want to leave this topic without clearly making this disclaimer. We're talking about children who are regular mainstream children. We're getting close to Shachos in Yerushalayim, by the way. Okay. Rabbi, Rabbi Elf, what time do you have to go? What time, is the, what time do you have Shachos? Sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm part from davening this morning. So, uh, it's your Everything I say to parents, I don't keep myself. I run a very tight ship. Yeah. I, I just speak it up. Okay. Um, what should a parent do when he sees his son is not listening to him? For example, he has a phone with texting Ben Asmanim. He's following sports. He's listening to Goyish music, shows, things that he wouldn't approve of. What should he do? When how, he old sees the, his son? how old is the boy? 
15. I don't want to answer the question in public. It's a hard question to answer. It depends on the child. It's not a. It's not a call. Okay. I, I think. I think. I think that by saying what I just said, I think I answered the question. Maybe um, What I mean to say is, is that it requires a tremendous amount of wisdom. You have to find out whether the kid is ability to listen and to grow. You have to find out why the kid has drifted from. Again, it, 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 I'll say it in a different way. If your house is a house where the father's listening to Gershom music. And the father's watching movies, and the father's busy with technology. So why are you asking the kasha what the kid is? The kid's just like you, like the famous song says. Okay, so then, uh, then what's the problem? If the kid has drifted from what you believe, it depends. Um, a lot of these children who are listening to Gershom music, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are people who go under the question of kids coming home with asmanim and not learning, leave them alone. Okay, and some of the kids, I, I, you know, something. I, I will answer your question. Okay. The answer to your question about the 15-year-old who's listening to Goyesha music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is as follows. You could and should say something to him if there will be a purpose. Here comes the Yushami rule of Azma, and then what? You said something. You got something out of it? There's no Chi of Mokhal with kids. So you only say something to a 15-year-old about something that could help if there's a reasonable chance that it will have a positive effect on him. If, if it has no effect on him, then, then turn a blind eye. The, the rule of asthma applies to teenagers. I'm not talking about eight, nine, 10 year olds where the power of influence of Chinuch is much more. Today, a 15 year old is a Gansaman the Omar, and he's a whole world, and he's also rebelling because he's a teenager. Um, the rule of saying to a kid criticism generally follows the rule of the asthma, and then what? You said, and then what? Don't, don't do, use your kids as a mocha in Yerushalayim. Don't make mochas with your kids. And don't say things to kids which don't have results. And in general, a person has to make sure that his dialogue with his children is fundamentally positive. You have to be able to look back at a whole week that a child is home and be able to create a situation where a majority of the dialogue with the child is positive. But the answer is a 15-year-old who's listening to Gaudish music and you obviously don't want him to, the, the purpose would be only to say something if there is a result. If there's no result, bite your lip and ask him what he's listening to. Okay. I just want to say one thing. It just won't happen to me today. I don't know. Rabbi, I'll say the covered Rabbi Elephant. I was talking to Rabbi Shimon Russell today um, from Eretz Yisrael, and it just it came up in the, in the conversation. He was saying that from all the years of 30 years of dealing with kids off the derech and everything and his own personal experiences, he said that from having a loving home and having the stable home and putting down the rules of like, you know, this is what we do, this is what we don't do, he said, from, from his experiences, most of the kids that had a loving home, as they got married and as they got older, came back because they felt comfortable and loved in the home. They felt the security. The people that had the unstable homes, even afterwards, they still had many tires afterwards. I'm just saying. To your point. I, think, I, think, I think that the problem is that this, this topic has been kidnapped for the kids at risk. Since, since a vast majority of over 90% of the kids are not at risk and they're doing fine, we can give them some warmth and love also. Nothing will happen. Exactly. Garnish that shot. Okay, for coming on. Uh, I just want to give some closing. You'll, you'll go at the end. Um, thanks for coming on tonight. You gave tremendous chizik for me, for everybody on. There was literally hundreds of people on it tonight. And Hashem, there will be a video. I'll send it out to everybody. Everybody can watch it. Everything's recorded. And uh, hopefully you can really be Mechazek Tal's appearance. I, I really honestly feel like we, we barely touched the surface. I had another 15, 20 questions, and there was a lot of topics we didn't touch, some things we spoke about earlier. So, uh, Rabbi Elfin, I don't know your schedule. I know you're busy, but uh, we're going to have to talk. Maybe I'll, I'll quit my yeshiva. I'll do this full time. Might be this. Might be a better malach. Anyway, and my yeshiva, you're doing anyway virtually. Come out anyway, right? No, no, we're live. We're live. Live. We're live now. 
Um, again, tonight's show was sponsored honestly by Klaus Tamadev in honor of Rabbi Shlita. And again, this was a Zeichen Nishmas. Rabbi Yontav Levi Ben Moshe Yaakov was his fourth yard size of the Shabbos. Shabbos has a big aliyah. so many people. Next Sunday, we have an amazing program for Rabbi Arya Weinstein from Bucks County. He was a keynote speaker in the Kinnah Shulchan and Chabad this past week. He's an author of a famous book called It's Within You. It's been an amazing self-growth, personal growth program about you know, people themselves. Shem, I hope everybody comes on, tell people about it. it. Should be. I spoke to him. He's a dynamic person. It should be a very, very tremendous year, and um, it'll be a big chizik for the oilam. Everything tonight is recorded. It's going to be available tomorrow on Menachem Bernfeld's website, menachembernfeld.com. If you have any questions, please email Coach Menachem at Gmail. Rabbi Elfant, if he gets any emails, we'll forward it to you. If you have anything to say to Rabbi Elfant, please feel free to send it. Uh, tonight's share is also recorded. This is share number 24. If you want to hear this share, please call. We have a number, 732. 924-8464, it's option four, and um, we could, this whole show is recorded, you can listen to it on the phone as well. I want to give a special thank you again to all our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop for every week pushing us here in Lakewood, uh, for Chazak.org for always helping us, Robbie and Eva, I really appreciate it. COL Live, Mr. Mika Sofer, and a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Sommer for always promoting us digitally. Coach Menachem, closing words. Rabbi Elephant, I'm getting messages already that it was really amazing tonight's share. So it's coming in from the chats, emails, Abor Hashem. But again, I'm going to say what I always say, a lot of information. And now we have to start figuring out where do we start? And like you put us into our place, all the Americans, everybody with their things. And uh, the Chachma is to figure out where do we start? And like you said, the perfectionism. Many us parents have to um, look deeply and see um, what where we we're up to and what, how it's affecting our kids and I think the the one thing that I took out tonight in the hardest thing is to be able to bite the lips when you need to like you said a few times because to differentiate what am I doing because I need my kid to uh, give me nachas because that's what I want how many times did you hear I and me and not really about the kids and how much how much is it me and how much is it the ego that needs the kid to do? And uh, there's a lot of introspection. And uh, I guess uh, next week um, we'll see how uh, Rabbi Weinstein tells us to get some self-worth. I'm not sure if he'll tell us to use the small notes or not, but we'll find out next week. But there's a lot of work. So thank you again, Rabbi Elephant. And thank you all for coming on tonight. And Amit Hashem, hope to see you next week. And uh, thank you, Ushi, for a great job. Trying, trying, trying to get back into it. Rabbi Elephant, you want to say the uh, very uh, closing words? I, uh, I think I spoke enough tonight. I'll just end with one sentence, and that is diving your heads off. Because at the end of the day, everything is tefillah, 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 tefillah. Diving your heads off for your kids. And um, hopefully we have Siyat HaDishmai and Nachas the Kedusha. Amen.